World Podcast number 327 for Wednesday, November 7th. Hello again, podcast listeners. It's the Macworld Podcast. I'm Philip Michaels. I'm hosting this week. What is on everyone's mind? I don't know about you, whether it's the election where... Someone was just elected. We're not we're not recording this on Wednesday or whether it's the iPad mini. And here to talk about the iPad mini, the newly released slimmed down version of the iPad is the man who reviewed it. Dan Frakes. Hello, hey, Dan. Phil. Hello. Oh, how are you today? Good. Thank and you. because we are legally mandated to have two Dan's in every podcast and also because he knows a thing or two about the iPad. It is Dan Morin as well. Hello, Dan Morin. I feel my agent thanks you. Yes. So, uh, the iPad Mini, is it just a big iPod Touch, Dan Frakes? It is. Or is it a smaller? A smaller like, iPad. Uh-huh. No, it, it really is a smaller iPad in that it, it runs iPad apps, all iPad apps natively. Uh, it basically takes everything that's in the iPad except for the retina display and just shrinks it down. Uh, and so, if you like the iPad but you wanted something a little smaller and more portable, this is the iPad for you. Now, um, we talked a little bit about this uh, uh, a few weeks ago when the iPad mini was first introduced, but essentially it's the same specs as the iPad 2, is it not? When it, if you're talking about the processor and graphics and things like that, yes, it's it's identical to the, to the iPad 2. The same processor, the same amount of RAM, same graphics uh, circuitry. It's better than the iPad 2, though, in uh, a number of things. For one, it has Bluetooth 4.0 instead of instead of 2.1 it has um the better cameras found in the latest full-size ipad the fourth generation ipad so it's got the 1080p 5 megapixel uh camera on the back and on the front it's got the 1.2 megapixel 720p uh camera for facetime uh and then it also has the latest um lte circuitry so whereas the ipad 2 if you get the cellular data version you get 3g the uh, iPad Mini has LTE, and it's the same LTE chip in the fourth-generation iPad. So it's kind of in between. So you, you really wouldn't call it just a, a iPad 2 with a few things. It's more like an iPad like 3? Like a small three-and-a-half. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Now, you've, you've obviously spent some uh, extensive time testing it for us. Uh, how does the performance measure up? It feels just... Pretty much, well, okay, let me get back up. In terms of processor, you know, horsepower, it feels pretty much like an iPad 2. Anything you do on an iPad 2, it's going to feel, uh, it, it, it's basically the same speed, the same memory. Um, I, I couldn't tell any difference in performance between the two. It's a little slower at most things than a third-generation iPad and obviously than a fourth-generation iPad. Uh, but... As I mentioned in the review, some of the things actually, like some games, actually run just as well on the iPad Mini as they do on the third-generation iPad because it's pushing around a quarter of the pixels because it doesn't have that retina display. Um, where it actually bests the iPad 2 is in things that have to do with wireless because it's got uh, – one of the things it actually has the iPad 2 doesn't is that it can do what's called channel bonding on um, 802.11n wireless networks in which and where what it's doing is it's actually grouping two neighboring channels together so you get in theory twice the throughput and i did find that when you're browsing the web or excuse me streaming video the ipad mini actually is a little faster than the ipad 2 
Hmm. Uh, let's switch tracks to Dan Morin for a second. You, have you had a chance to uh, use the iPad Mini? Uh, yeah, I have. I and, had out, a and outside of the one. watchful eye of, of Apple, or just yes, briefly. I had, briefly outside the watchful uh, the watchful eyes of Apple, Apple as well. Um, I, not enough time as, as Dan has spent with it to you know put it through its paces. I don't think anyone of... has spent as much time <laughs> as Dan Frakes has spent, except maybe the people who made it. Yeah, sure, um, but enough to get some general impressions. And, of it, and, which... and your general impressions kind of match what what uh, Frakes has been telling us in terms of performance. Yeah, I do think. I mean, it's it's very snappy. I think it's this and the you know fourth generation, which we'll talk about in a bit. Uh, really. They give a lot of credit to Apple for the fact that it's clearly optimized for all of its iPad um, models that came before this, making sure that the software always feels really snappy and responsive. So it does almost feel only like incremental improvements as you go along, because a lot of the stuff that you do on a day to day uh, basis, like check your email or just page through a bunch of apps or, you know, put in things on your calendar, et cetera, et cetera. All that stuff is pretty responsive no matter which iPad you're using. It's really when it comes to things like streaming video or playing, uh, you know, higher end games that you're really going to see any distinction at all. And I mean, I think that is a testament to the idea that Apple has spent a lot of time tuning this hardware to work really well. Right. You'll see apps will launch a little faster on the newest full size iPad. High end games, high end retina games play noticeably faster. But for everyday things, web browsing, you know, reading your email, doing those kind of things, it's, you know, an iPad's an iPad. Now there was a thing that you mentioned in the review, Dan Frakes, uh, that I that I wanted to bring up the the keyboard. Mm-hmm. Since we're dealing with a smaller screen, um, it, it's kind of cramped in which mode? Landscape mode was so, it? So you right, found so, it not preferable. Yeah. So in landscape orientation, when the, you've got the on-screen keyboard uh, on the iPad two and the third generation and fourth generation, it's roughly full-size keys. I still am not a big fan of touch typing on it, but they're big enough so you can do it. On the iPad mini, since everything's shrunken down, you know, 60, 60 some percent, everything's really cramped and tight. And so it's not really an on-screen keyboard you want to do a lot of long-term typing on. On the other hand, when you flip it around to, to portrait orientation, I always felt that the full-size iPad the the portrait orientation keyboard was not very good because it was big enough where you couldn't really reach everything easily. On the iPad mini, it's really kind of the perfect size for thumb typing. Everything's close enough where you can reach it, but the keys are big enough so that you're not, you know, stumbling over the uh, keys around it. So for actual, for quick things like typing in a password or an email address or a short message, I actually like the iPad mini's portrait orientation better than on a bigger iPad. Is there a uh, third-party accessory opportunity here with making a a mini-sized keyboard for a mini-sized iPad? Well, we've already seen a few uh, announcements of third-party vendors uh, releasing smaller versions of their sort of their keyboard cases, you know, the, the, the protective cases that have a Bluetooth keyboard in it. The issue, though, is that even with the full-size iPad, some of those keyboards are just too small. I mean, if you're going to have an external keyboard, a Bluetooth keyboard, you really want it to be a real keyboard. So I'm a little skeptical that any of these new ones that are shrunken down for the iPad are actually going to be any good. I think that if you plan to do enough typing where you want 
a separate keyboard. You're better off just getting a standalone Bluetooth keyboard and a little stand for your mini. The screen's smaller, but it's. I, I did actually a bunch of editing over the weekend to test it out on on the iPad screen with an external keyboard, and it was you know it was it was certainly doable. It's it's something like if you if you're going on vacation, you want to bring just an iPad, you could bring a little thin external keyboard and get some work done. Dan, can I connect my Windows Surface Touch Cover to my iPad Mini? Because really, that's what I'm looking for. Oh, you know, I don't have one on hand to test that, but it, is it Bluetooth? I don't know. And I thought your review was comprehensive. Yeah, you know, only one of us gets to ask the dumb questions here. And I and I have a question that I hope isn't dumb about um, battery life, Dan Frakes. How, what kind of battery life uh, did you experience in your iPad Mini testing? Well, I was doing over the weekend lots of syncing and 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 resyncing and testing stuff. So I didn't do the start it here and see how long it lasts test. But our lab director James Galbraith did that, and he, using our standard test, which involves looping a video over and over with a, a specific volume and screen brightness levels, he got I believe it was nine hours and nine minutes, if I recall correctly, of continuous battery life on the iPad Mini. And the fourth generation iPad, the full-size one, the newest one, got, I think it was nine hours and 21 minutes. So roughly the same, although a little shorter for both compared to the previous generation iPad. The third generation iPad. Right. Although I... I'd heard anecdotally from from another one of our colleagues who has one that that she noticed it was very uh, in terms of it didn't get run down as much over the few days that she was using it and she had been using it pretty constantly. Um, so I don't know if they've you know if the smaller size helps that at all, but you know obviously that's a different use case than just running a video right, time right. over and over again, which most of us don't do. Yeah, and I think that's the tough thing about. It's always been the tough thing about testing battery life on an iPhone or an iPad or an iPod Touch is that they do so many things and so many of those things use the battery differently. You know, you're playing a a high-end Retina graphics game, which really sucks the battery down, but checking email 100 times a day uses hardly any battery at all. So it's really tough to do a good battery test, which is why we we try to standardize on just one thing just to give you relative... uh, relative results on how the iPads compare, but they may not you know, give you the same result you might get at home in your normal use. Right. Results vary, so take it with the with however many grains of salt you care to take it with, but at least we can give a comparable number. Um, let's wade into the, uh, the, the, uh, the realm of controversy. I think if there's one controversial aspect of this iPad mini, it would be the screen, would it not, Dan Frakes? Some might say the price, but I think I agree with well, you. Well, but yeah, right, right. price, that, price that, bargain, by market forces beyond our control, we can we can talk about the screen with authority. Right, right. And, no, I, I no, I agree. I think I think this is the most controversial thing, and that is that yeah, all of Apple's other portable devices are going Retina, even the MacBook Pro line. We've we've still got the Airs with it or not Retina, but the MacBook Pros are now all Retina. I. I, the standard iPads, the iPod Touch, yeah. so everything's going Retina, and this isn't. And to a lot of people, that's uh, that's that's going to be a, a big drawback. Um, I, I, you know, I went cold turkey over the weekend. I, I used the iPad Mini as my only iPad for about three or four days here, and I will say that by the end of that weekend, uh, I didn't really notice the 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 non Retina display. Um, yeah, uh, well, let me. 
I, I noticed it, but it wasn't like when I first opened up and said, wow, that's really not retina. Uh, but if you're used to a retina display, if your other devices are all retina, when you take out the iPad mini, the first thing you're going to say is, wow, that looks really, you know, blocky and blotchy or whatever adjective you want to use to describe it. It's, it's significantly less sharp and clear than a retina display. There's no getting around that. Uh, I think the the bigger question is, does it matter for the average person? And I think Apple's argument would be, you know, most people don't have retina displays. Most people don't use devices with retina displays. And the iPad mini is giving them a display that's actually better than the iPad mini in terms of, or excuse me, than the second generation iPad because of the clarity, because you're having the same resolution as an iPad 2 at a smaller screen. So it's actually has a higher pixel density. So it's really, and and I found this to be true, asking a lot of people around me over the weekend too, it's really dependent on your frame of reference. Yeah, you know, it was funny. I was showing off um, the, you know, the newer iPad with the retina display to my mom who has a very, an original iPad. And I was trying to point out like, well, you can see the differences. And it really, the only thing that for her was, you know, clear enough that she could see the distinction was text. And even then it took me like pointing out like, well, okay, look at the italics on the old one and they're all jaggy. But if you look on the nice retina display, they're very smooth. And she's like, oh yeah, I guess that makes sense. So, you know, I think there is a question in terms of, you know, people like us who are very used to staring at retina displays and then going back and forth and noticing the differences. But I think Dan's right that there's a lot of people who don't have that experience. And so, you know, as even a display as nice as that, even a display as nice as the, the original iPad display and the iPad 2 display are very nice compared to a lot of what we saw before. They're just not as nice when compared to something as truly excellent as the retina display. Well, right. And, I, and I've got a 27-inch iMac and the pixel density of it is less than the iPad mini, even though the iPad mini is not retina. So, you know, if that's what you're used to looking at all day, if at the end of the day you pick up the iPad mini to do some reading, it's actually a better display. Uh, so, I, you know, I, I see both sides of this argument and I have sympathy for both both sides of the of the debate. Uh, and I think, you know, Apple's view is, hey, if you don't, if you need retina, don't buy it this year. We'll have another one next year. But for all the millions and millions of people who don't have an iPad yet, hey, you just got a cheaper one to look for. And I, I wonder how much of this is determined by who actually the the Mini is aimed at, whether exactly. it's aimed at the, your first time never really have owned an iPad uh, type customer before. And believe it or not, there are lots out there who haven't or or whether it's it's for people who are uh, side grading or upgrading or what have you. Well, yeah, and I think that's that's part of the sort of Internet echo chamber we're hearing now is that a lot of. A lot of techie types, you know, people like us, people at websites that write about technology, they've been sort of pining for some of them for a smaller iPad because they love their iPad, but they want something more portable. Uh, and so then here it is, and it's suddenly got a lower, you know, pixel density and it's not as clear. And they're, you know, they're upset. They're bothered, whatever. Um, and, and, and that's a valid that's a valid view for those people, but I don't think they represent the majority of people, and I don't think they represent who Apple is really aiming the iPad mini, at least this initial version, for. So the iPad has been out on retail shelves for less than a week, so let's talk about the next version of it, the iPad mini. Um, yeah, right. do, do, do we see it adding a retina display, and if so, uh, what does that mean from a, from an app development standpoint? Because one of the, the advantages to not having a retina display is you don't have to turn around and say to your developers, okay, you're, you're updating things a, a third time. 
I've been having this discussion with a lot of people today, actually. Um, I, I mean, I think it's obvious. It's only a matter of time before the iPad mini gets a retina display. That's just where Apple's going. Sorry, developers. Yeah. Well, it, le- well, it leaves them room to, to grow, too, right? Like right now, you know, they can say, oh, it's the same great iPad mini you saw last year. But now it's got a retina display. Right, right. So, I mean, I think – so if Apple were to have done a retina display with this iPad, they could have either simply put the same re- – I mean, the, the key here was that they gave the iPad mini the same resolution as an existing iPad so that all – 275,000 apps worked out of the box. I mean, that was really the key because if, if Apple made developers tweak their apps for a completely different resolution, then the iPad mini would have had, you know, a handful of apps. So that was the key. So that meant that Apple's choice for an iPad mini was to either have the iPad 2 resolution or to have the resolution of the third and fourth generation iPads, which was, you know, four times as many pixels uh, in, a, in a much smaller in a much smaller screen. And so, I mean, that presented some problems because on the one hand, it's the same pixel density as the iPhone 5, which is the highest of any Apple device. So then the cost goes up. They're already, from what we're hearing, have having problems making the iPhone 5 screens, et cetera, et cetera. You know, so I, I don't think they really practically could have done it right now. Uh, I think obviously they're going to do it at some point in the future. And then it just is a matter of do they just shrink down the iPad 4, or excuse me, fourth generation iPads screen to fit in the iPad mini? Or do they come out with a new new resolution that's retina, but not quite as dense? My, my money is on them using the same resolution as the, the third and fourth generation iPads. I mean, it's, it's a lot of work, you know, like Dan was saying, in terms of getting it down to size and being able to produce it on the cheap or on the affordable side, as well as you have challenges like dealing with battery life consumption because then you have to, as we saw with the iPad third generation, when they added the retina screen, they had to make it heavier because they needed a bigger battery to power the light, you know, the the backlight in the screen. Um, But at the same time, I think, yeah, sure. The the developers are getting used to having to redo their apps every like year for some sort of new screen format. But I feel like you know it would it would work to Apple's credit a lot better if they didn't have to differentiate between you know an iPad that's got a non you know it's it's a Retina iPad or it's a non Retina iPad. You got two resolutions. You don't want to have to start introducing more resolutions in there, or else you still you run into a lot of complexity. Mm. Yeah, I was I was initially thinking maybe we'd eventually have a new re- resolution. But after talking to a lot of people today, I think I'm coming around to Dan's position as well, that it would be easier for them to just shrink down the the the, the, st- the standard iPad retina display. Well, the, you heard it here first. Um, <laughs> how about holding the iPad mini? How, what is that experience like as compared to holding a, a full-sized iPad? Because it seems like that... Uh, just talking to people who were uh, waiting to to get one on Friday, that was a big selling point. Dan, do you want to jump? Oh in? well, I mean, I I thought in the in the time that I've used it, it's it feels like, and I know I think Dan made the same comparison in his piece, but it feels like going from a MacBook to a MacBook Air, where it's just it's so much lighter and so much smaller. I I have an 11 inch MacBook Air, which I absolutely love, and I moved to that from a 13 inch MacBook. And just the reduction in weight and the reduction in size I find to be uh, enormously helpful when it comes to carrying it around. So having something that's so much smaller and so much lighter that fits in, you know, a large coat pocket or something like that, um, or for a lot of women, it fits in their purse, which is really, you know, 
handy. It doesn't mean you don't have to carry a backpack or a, you know, some sort of satchel around with you in addition. Um, so I think that's, that's big. And so in terms of holding it, just like even just using it, I found it very natural. It's very light. You can hold it in one hand. A lot of people, I think, you know, you see Apple's hand models with the giant, like holding it in one hand with like your thumb and forefinger kind of on either side of it. I mean, I can do that, and I and I and I've been able to use it like that. I don't think necessarily that's going to be comfortable for everybody, but at the same time, it's light enough that you can sort of hold it at the bottom between a thumb and a forefinger, you know, on the bottom bezel there, and it's it's perfectly light. It's like holding a magazine or a book in one hand. So I think that's a big deal. Yeah, the the size and weight are just are fantastic. I mean, that that was my biggest complaint about the previous iPad, and it wasn't really a huge complaint, but it was that. If I'm reading in bed at night or if I'm trying to watch a video, holding that the the standard iPad up for a long period of time, it gets tiring. It's it's a bit of a hassle. And so I would that's one of the reasons I was using a Google Nexus 7 for months is that I really liked it for reading and, and those kind of things. And the 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 iPad mini is just, you know, it's fantastic in that respect. Um, and uh, it's it's not quite as light as a Kindle. On the other hand, when you hold a Kindle in your hand, it feels a little toyish, and I don't mean that in a disrespectful way, but it just it's made of plastic, it's lightweight. Uh, you hold an iPad mini in your hand and it's not quite as light, but it's still very light and it feels just rock solid. I asked this question uh, uh, two weeks ago, and I, I I don't know that we got a came across a good answer. Sorry, sorry, Dan Morin, since you were on the podcast two weeks ago. <laughs> so let's let's try it again now that we've actually had a chance to 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 use the thing in, in the wild. Uh, who is this for? Who who are we trying to reach with the iPad mini? Who's the ideal iPad mini user as opposed to the, the full sized iPad? Well I, I mean I think that and, and to be fair, I don't think Apple has articulated this very well. So let's let's do Apple's work for them. I think part of the reason they haven't articulated is that they don't want to – they're actually just letting it settle out to see where it goes, and they don't want to bias oh, people. Oh, don't make excuses but, for Apple. No, I mean they I think – They need to tell people who, who – they need to tell people their business. Well, I, so I think that there's a couple people. It's for one is people like us who have iPads and just have always wanted something smaller and lighter. But I think the big thing for Apple is the fact that the the cheapest – you know, new iPad is five hundred dollars. They offered the iPad two for for four hundred dollars for a year or so now, but it's five hundred dollars for the latest iPad. And there's a market out there of cheaper stuff, and Apple wanted something less expensive. So I think this is for people who are in the market for an iPad and either don't want a huge one or they just want to spend less money. Uh, you know, Apple keeps pointing out that the five hundred dollar iPad <clears throat> is the best selling iPad ever. The the, the current or the third generation iPad for $500 is the best-selling iPad ever. And so they're saying, you know what? Yes, there's cheaper alternatives out there, but clearly people aren't buying based on on price. They want iPads. So now we're giving them one that's $170 less. I I think, you know, from a perspective of there there are some customers here. I think there are a lot of people who are going to be looking at the iPad mini when it's time for them to switch from their current iPad. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, And I think there are a lot of people who don't own a tablet or perhaps own an Android tablet and aren't satisfied with it who might be swayed by the uh, the argument of a cheaper, smaller iPad that's, you know, lighter and takes up some of the duties of an e-reader, for example. So, I mean, I think they stand to to potentially make up a lot of ground with it. 
Um, again, like Dan says, not that they're hurting in terms of, you know, selling off their iPads. The current ones are selling great. But having that that option there in the same way that, you know, Apple does make, you know, say an 11-inch Air and a 13-inch Air, you know, there, there's people who want one or the other for a variety of reasons, whether it be they want the bigger screen for more screen real estate or they want the smaller one for portability. So I think there is a there are a lot of people who will potentially be looking at that. It's, it's weird because it's positioned as a slightly different, like you've got the smaller form factor, but along with it comes the reduction in spec so it isn't necessarily as high powered as, as another ipad but it still you know does pretty much all the things you want to, to get out of an ipad so i think there's a there's a lot of potential there well, right. and i, I also think that it's pretty clear the ipad 2 is not long for this world that uh, apple has it apple's kept it around at a lower price for it's been what a year a year and a half now or is it been a year or my um, uh, it's well. It was introduced in 2011. Yeah, about 18 but, months. So, uh, so yeah, seven months actually as yeah. the cheaper one. Wow. But so yeah. shows you how, how much uh, how uh, time uh, flies. Uh, yeah. So so it's been around for seven months as the sort of budget iPad, um, but here you've now got a device that costs even less than the than that than that one does at uh, seventy dollars less, and it's got better specs, better features. The only thing that it's it's different is it's smaller. So I think it, it pretty soon we're going to see the iPad 2 go away and the iPad mini is going to be the cheaper iPad. While supplies last, load up on those iPad 2s. So um, the, we, speaking of the full-sized iPad, there are new versions of that as well. And Dan Morin, I think you've had some extensive time using those. Yeah, I've been spending a decent amount of time using the fourth generation iPad. And in fact, your review, like the the new president of the United States or current president of the United States, might even be known and posted by the time this podcast goes up. So on the off chance that it isn't, uh, what do you think of these uh, these fourth generation iPads? Well, I mean, when you approach it from the outside, um, at first glance, it looks pretty much identical to a third generation iPad. Um, it's the same size. It's the same thickness. It's the same weight down to the gram. So, and then you try and plug it into a cable. <laughs> yeah, and then you go, what? <laughs> um, yeah. Aside from the lightning connector on the bottom, that is the only, I mean, that's the only external difference pretty much at all. Um, and so in some ways it's almost more, it seems like it'd be more fitting to call this an, an iPad three S. Um, let's not do that. <laughs> but but Apple, in their infinite wisdom, has actually referred to this as the fourth generation iPad, which solves that whole problem where we were trying to wonder what happens after the new iPad, which was the third iPad. Well, but, the, so, but really, they just call it the iPad. I mean, right. Well, really, it's just that. But they, right. they did refer to right. it as the fourth generation iPad. So so I'm going to take that, that cue from that. Um, so uh, what's interesting about this is the performance is the is the main part of the story here. Um, Apple's put a brand new chip in here, the A6X which is um, sort of building on the same. They've, they've established this pattern with chips now. They started with the A4. Then when they went to the A5, they then built the A5X, which was basically a version of the A5, but with better graphics. So they've done the same thing here, which is they have the A6 that's in the iPhone 5, and they've made an A6X for the iPad, which has much better graphics. So it's got a dual-core processor along with quad-core graphics chip on top of it. And what that means is that there is a lot of graphics horsepower in here. So if you're playing things like Retina-enabled games, um, they absolutely fly. They look great. On, on the benchmark tests that we've run in our labs, the, the 
the fourth generation iPad has really just beat the pants off of pretty much any other thing. And Apple bragged that it had about twice as high in terms of performance uh, as the previous generation, and I think our 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 specs have have borne that out. Um, and the the graphics performance is is really uh, quite astounding. Now the issue with this is that while that's great, and while you'll see things we were talking about earlier, incremental improvements when launching apps um, and when doing some other common tasks. It's not hugely it's I mean we're talking seconds here um, you know the the iPads are so optimized for the tasks that they do that you're not going to see a huge improvement in a lot of cases and and part of that's just that because this device is brand new the app developers and especially the game developers haven't had the time to start building programs that take advantage of all the horsepower that the fourth generation iPad can offer so you might start seeing those towards the end of the year as some of the demos that we saw at the Apple events get a chance to actually turn into to released products. Yeah, I remember um, with the the iPad 2, uh, which was a, a big leap over the original iPad, it seemed like there was maybe a four or five month lag time between the release of that and apps right. and games that really took advantage. Because consider that most people, most game developers don't have access to it till it actually comes mm-hmm. out and it takes time to actually optimize your game for the new hardware. Um, in addition to the processor and the uh, and graphics improvements, there's also, as with the iPad Mini, it's got the faster uh, Wi-Fi with this channel bonding technology. Um, I did notice that actually made some improvements in terms of loading pages and in terms of downloading things like large PDF files or music from the iTunes store. Um, it definitely seems to be a lot faster. Um, at the same time, let's see, we've also got better cameras in here. So it now has the same uh, 5 megapixel EyeSight camera on the back that is also on the, I believe, the iPad mini, the iPod Touch, um, and the iPhone 4S maybe? Sim- not, maybe not quite the 4S, but it's very similar to the, to the cameras that we are seeing on a lot of the other Apple devices. So um, it has one benefit that does not is not uh, present on the iPad mini in that regard. It has a built-in image signal processor. Uh, on the CPU, which lets it just do a little better job of uh, taking photographs and 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 providing better quality results, but it's still it's a decent camera. But again, we're talking a full size iPad. It's probably not the camera most people are carrying with them. Um, the front camera also gets a bump up to 720p for FaceTime. So we've now, I think, got 720p FaceTime cameras on pretty much every FaceTime capable Apple product right now. Um, which is great because you really want to see the pores on people when you're having a video conference. Absolutely. Um, but that, yeah, that's that's sort of the bulk of it. And then in addition, as I said up top, we have the lightning connector, which is now basically on every device Apple sells iOS device except for the iPad 2. <laughs> and uh, as we've already said, it's its days are numbered. Yes. Uh, so have you had a, you you had a chance to uh, test battery life? I haven't. I've been using it pretty much just like a standard, like I use my existing iPad, and I found it to be pretty comparable to the third generation iPad. Um, I haven't necessarily, I have spent more time playing games and stuff than I often do on my on my third generation, so it's probably gotten sucked down a little bit more from that. Um, but it's it's pretty standard. I mean, I think they, they say it gets the same 10 hours as the previous uh, generation iPad is, is Apple's estimate, and I see no reason to disbelieve that at the moment. Okay. So now that you've had a chance to use it, let's let's ask the age-old question, the same question as with the iPad mini. Who is this iPad for? Who should buy it? Who should upgrade? Uh, well, should I cast, if I have a third-generation iPad, the new, the no longer new iPad, should I throw it on my Guy Fox Day bonfire and, and dance merrily to its screams? 
Just just snap it in half. It's done. No, um, if I think if you've got an original iPad or an iPad 2 and you're looking to upgrade, it's a no-brainer to go for the fourth generation. If, you, if you're comfortable with the size and the weight and you're not looking at the iPad mini, um, it's unquestionably the most powerful iPad that, that Apple's ever built. And in addition to getting the improvements that you're getting with the processors and all the other performance improvements, consider that you're getting in the improvements of the iPad third generation, too. You're getting the Retina display, for example. And that's that's a pretty big improvement over either the first iPad or the iPad 2. So for both of those those people, it, it seems like if you're ready to upgrade, it, it's a pretty good option. That said, the iPad 2 is still a pretty pretty solid device. The iPad, the original iPad, I think is the biggest target here because that's the first, uh, the only iPad that's capped now. It's at uh, iOS 5.1, I think, and that, it'll never go any higher than that. So if you want to take advantage of the iOS 6 improvements uh, and you're using an original iPad, it's probably time to upgrade. Um, for the third generation iPad users. I actually say I, I don't think there's any reason to upgrade. The performance improvements are nice, but like I said, right now, there's nothing really taking advantage of that. And the third-generation iPad is a, is a really respectable device. Um, it does, you know, it has a great performance, and it has most of the features that you're going to see on the fourth-generation iPad. And it can do everything that it could do yesterday. It can still do today. So I don't – this to me seems like a more incremental improvement until we start seeing apps that really take advantage of it. And we don't know right now, you know, given that this was a six-month turnaround time between generations, which is pretty unusual for Apple, um, we don't know what the situation is going to look like next year in terms of whether we're expecting to see a fifth-generation iPad in March or whether we're going to have to wait all the way to next October in order to see the next revision. I, I suspect that we're going to wait until October, but that's that's just my supposition. I have no inside knowledge. Dan Frakes, anything to add to that? Well, I was just going to say that I think I, I agree with Dan that this feels more like just a, a minor bump. But I think the reason for that is there's well, there's two. One, I think Apple wanted to to switch the full size iPad over to the Lightning connector so that essentially all devices going forward are going to be Lightning devices. Uh, it, it was a little odd that the sort of flagship iPad was now having outdated connection technologies when everything else has has moved over to Lightning. But the also the other thing is that. Like you said, I think that Apple is resetting the iPad schedule on a fall launch. Uh, it, it was kind of weird to be to go into the holiday season with iPads that were a year or half a year old. So you know, people are asking you, "Oh, should I get you an iPad for for the holidays?" And you say, "Well, there's going to be a new one in three months, right?" So let's just hold off. I think that having all of the non-iPhone devices, the iPod Touch, the iPad, the iPad Mini, all refreshed in the fall means that they're all new for the holidays. And the iPhone. Well, the iPhone too now, but I think that's because of contracts and things, I think it's less important for the iPad, or excuse me, the iPhone. But I think for all the non-contract devices, having them all refreshed in the fall means more better holiday, op- holiday, yeah, yeah. holiday it, it's not unlike uh in the in the days when apple gave macworld expo keynotes uh it, it would be two weeks after christmas and apple would go here's some new things and right, right. everyone would be yay i'm kind of sad now and so yeah it, it, getting everything announced um uh, a few months before the holiday shopping season, uh, as opposed to a few months after, makes more sense for a consumer electronics company, which, frankly, Apple is at this point. 
Indeed. I think I've given yeah. myself the last word in this podcast. What a terrible host. I, I see no way to disagree with you. Well, um, in that case, I'd like to thank both Dan Frakes and Dan Morin for taking the time to talk iPads today. Thank you. Thanks, we'll Phil. be sure to have both of you gentlemen back in four months when Apple introduces the fifth generation iPad. <laughs> um, in the meantime, on behalf of all non-Dans, I say uh, thank you, listeners, for, for tuning in. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>